Welcome to The Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. I have such an amazing treat for you today. Dan, I'm so excited to have you on the show and to dig into a great conversation about kind of a unique position that you've carved out for yourself in the market. Um, Dan Martel, guys, he's here. We're going to talk about buying companies, selling companies, private jets, um, how you know if you're a fit to buy, sell, exit, the whole deal. Um, you became known, Dan, in your market initially because you had three technology exits in a 10-year period. And now I know over the next year, you're probably acquiring another 16 companies. So I would love to just, um, first of all, welcome you to the show. So happy Thank that you're Kelly. here. It's yeah. an honor. Yeah, no, I mean, I always like to call my shot and set my intention. And, and I am here to give you 110%. I, want, I would love for this to be one of the best and most valuable episodes that any of your listeners have have had. So I will give you the crazy stories and the valuable tactics and yeah. all that fun stuff. So you guide and, and we'll see what comes I up. I love it. I love it. Well, here's the thing, right? So you're a guy, Dan, that has like a crazy story and a crazy background of where you started, what you went through in your life, your comeback, and then ultimately making it to the position that you're in today. Um, and, and I think that's really important to start there because there's so many people that are talented enough to do the kinds of things that you're doing, but they don't see themselves as either being worthy or ready or capable, or, you know, I don't have enough experience. I'm not big enough. I'm, you know, all of those things. And you are like the comeback kid. So can you start with a little bit of like the story and then the comeback and then the, the building up to what, where you are and what happened today? Because I want people to understand that you weren't born flying a private jet around to your speaking oh. engagements. Um, you, you had some bumps in the road. You had some setbacks, some personal things that are now a big part of your philanthropy and your mission. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'll be honest with you, Kelly. It's, I have to pinch myself every day. It makes no sense to me. It does now. I say that cause it's easy for me to say that, but for a long time, it didn't make yeah. sense. How does somebody that grew up in addiction, right? Drug addict, you know, got eight diagnosed age 11, second oldest of four, mom was an mm -hmm. alcoholic, dad was in sales. How do I go from that to, you know, now yeah. living a life where, yeah, I fly around on my private plane and I, you know, have a huge audience on social media and I have a best-selling book and I, I get to play life at a level that I think, few get to experience. And it's why people kind of get turned on to my content. My, my approach to the integrated life is quite different and it all came from a lot of pain. I mean, yeah. I believe that people that have gone the lowest have the opportunity yeah. to go the highest. And that's yeah. my story. I mean, it was, you know, they're starting at nothing and then starting in a hole, you know, yes. by the time I ended up in prison yes. the second time at 16, nobody thought Dan Martell was going to do anything yeah. like, let alone not kill himself. I mean, it was yeah. just, it got bad. I mean, high speed yeah. chains almost took my life. Luckily, you know, God was looking out. I didn't have any faith back then. You know, I, I, I kind of turned to God as a, almost like what else do I got to lose? Yeah. And, um, luckily through a process, you know, after I ended up in, in adult prison at 16 due to the severity of my crime and kind of my upbringing, um, I met a prison guard named Brian and, you know, he sat me down one day and essentially expressed his belief in, in who I was and could be even at a point when I didn't believe in myself at all. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly used to feel guilty for even taking space. Yeah. So, and, and just like how much pain I was creating for my family. Like I was very mm -hmm. sensitive yes. and aware of it. Yes. So I just, you know, oftentimes I just thought maybe it'd be better if I wasn't alive. So, yeah, and I mean, who would think a prison guard was the person in your life that sat you down and and had that belief in you? And then, kind of, how did that spark where you went from there? How did that change the trajectory of your life? 
Well, I went from somebody that didn't believe I deserved to breathe the air I was breathing to somebody that obviously he saw something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, mm -hmm. Brian's seen something, maybe he's right. Yeah. And, and then a few good decisions after that, a few months later, I got released to a, a therapeutic community, this place called Portage. And I did 11 months. I mean, I did 11 months in therapy. That's why like people see me today and I'm like, you don't understand the amount of work I put into this, like put yeah. into me. I mean, I've been yeah. doing entrepreneurship for 25 years. I've got 25 years of doing this. It's actually not impressive. I think if anybody should, you know, learn from my journey, it's really just that I woke up every day to be better. And that's always been yeah. the case ever since I was 17. So I did 11 months, worked on my self-worth, my confidence, obviously my addiction, um, rebuilt the trust that I'd lost in my family. Mm -hmm. you know, because of all the bad decisions I've made yeah. over the years. And then it was at the end of that program, I was helping Rick, the maintenance guy, clean out one of the cabins. It was built on an old church camp. Mm -hmm. And in one of the rooms, there was this old 486 computer, you know, it was 97 and a yellow book on Java programming sitting next to it. And for whatever reason, the book spoke to me. I opened it up. I followed chapter one and within 20 minutes, I got the computer to say, hello world. And wow. yeah, it was kind of nuts. I just... I, it almost became my new addiction. I became obsessed with writing yeah. code. I think it's because I grew up with so much, you know, uncertainty that there was just something yeah. about the predictable nature of yeah. software development that I got, yeah. I could get in the zone, my ADHD. Yeah. It's just like everything went to the side and, you know, I got out, this is 97. I had two passions, botany for maybe obvious reasons. I was into plants, you know, mm -hmm. cannabis and whatnot. And, uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, this is okay. real. Like I used to have big farms. So there was that and uh, programming. My dad, yeah. you know, funny enough, he said, you could always have a garden as a hobby, but I think you should lean into this computer thing. So that was 97, 98, started building wow. software companies then. And first two are complete failures. I mean, I went from, you know, 17 to 21. It, it took me seven years to finally find traction because I was a software programmer. I wasn't a business person. I was an introvert. Right. I didn't know how to sell. I could write code, but I didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And it took a business coach named Bob to, mm -hmm. to show me the business side. I was 23. Yeah. I read this book called The E-Myth. It transformed my yeah. life hired, hired Bob. He was an email certified coach. And within our first year, we did almost a million in revenue. Yeah. And that was wow. the first business where I found some traction and ended up becoming a multimillionaire four years later when we exited the company. So yeah, no, that's amazing. And I appreciate crazy. you saying that it was seven years, you know, of struggle and two companies failing before it like clicked and then obviously you took you weren't starting from zero you were starting from the wisdom of experience right and and then moved into your first exit because it's just it's insane right like like i came from corporate so i i was like learned in like the school of hard knocks like literally going door to door selling like you know build a 50 million dollar portfolio but people come into the online space now that have an experience like the scrappy hustle of like business building like the old school way and all they see online is you know the overnight success and you know all the marketing and blah 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 and it, and and i think there's a really severe psychological impact that that i think is very sad and it upsets me and i talk about it on the show all the time like the reality of what actual successful entrepreneurs go through and the time that it takes and the journey of what that actually looks like is really misrepresented online, not by anyone's fault because people are doing their job, they're marketing, they're talking about the highlights, all of those things. Um, but I think a lot of people have such a misconception of the journey and such a misconception of everything that everyone goes through on the path to that success, you know? Yeah, I've never, I mean, Kelly, I've never met anybody that's had success that behind the scenes, exactly. there were years of effort. You know, one 100%. of my favorite new artists today is this this uh, young artist named Tate McRae. I don't know if you know who Tate McRae is, but she's awesome. I I, could, I think she'll be the next Britney Spears. If you see yeah. her content or music, her yeah. Instagram or TikTok, she's, she's just got the it factor. Yeah. What I love is that she continues, continues to share her old stuff. Okay. Yeah. She shares nine years old vocal training, 10 years yeah. old dance class, 11 years old, you know, theater. Like she, she documents today. I don't know how she'll do Maybe she's 20, but, 
anybody that sees like she just did SNL, she just did the Billboard Music Awards, they That's go, right. oh wow, she's blowing up out of nowhere. Yeah. And she's like, and she's uh, like wait a second. Excuse me. <laughs> 10 years later. And that is that is always the case. I think Absolutely. if people are willing to dedicate a decade like Tate McRae, that they will eventually show up. Like even yeah. this other great musician, Oliver Anthony, he wrote the the song Richmond. I Rose. know. Perfect. Oh my so, gosh. Like he didn't just wake up and was like, I know how to play a guitar. I know how to write a song. I know how to sing a, sing a song. It was years of frustration yes. and challenges and setbacks and, yeah. and a agony. Yeah. And then finally, one day as a 30 some year old man, he says, exactly. enough's enough. I'm going to turn my life over to God. Okay. And That's this it. is the big thing. I stopped making it about myself and I started making yeah. it about other people. And all yeah. of a sudden my life changed and a TikTok video of him playing yeah. this song. Boom. Number one billboard song in the history broke every record I know. by an artist that wasn't signed by uh, a label. It's amazing. And I think he actually, and I might be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he actually went on Joe Rogan and pulled out the Bible and was yep. literally, and He's I was like, praise Jesus. Passages. I'm like, yep. it, it is, it, Jesus is coming into the market and people are like speaking it now. And like, I feel like that was such a moment to be like, wake up guys like bring god back into the center of our life like it, it was so awesome to see him and i think what's crazy about that to your point of all the years of like suffering and all the things that went on for him behind the scenes and then he had his moment is like you hear the pain in his voice like in the song and everything that he's writing but it's everything you're saying is so true i do have a question i want to ask you dan that i think is important for the listeners because you talked a lot in your story about like kind of your um lack of self-worth and how you were feeling early in your life right yeah. and i think self-worth truly dictates like your belief that not only are you capable but you are worthy and that you are are chosen purposefully to do the work that you're meant to do in the world i think is such a huge part it's like yes skills and talent and hard work and all of those things but like the belief did you find that your self-worth grew as you you said you woke up and you're like i'm just going to try to do better each day like talk to me about how did you change that part because yeah. i think that's something people get really really stuck on is mm -hmm. like even and i'm talking about successful people we have a lot of really successful multi-seven figure business owners listening to this show that they would love to go to eight or nine figures but they're still not totally there right there's a lot, there's been phases, right? I mean, I think when I got out of rehab, I, I leaned on a few things. One, I was sober and that was such a monumental thing to finally introduce yeah. my life and to stay sober that I could yeah. lean on that from a self-worth or at least yeah. confidence point of view. Yeah. Um, when I got out of rehab, they made us work on this thing called the transition plan, which was essentially a plan of you know, what are you going to do with your free time? Are you going to work? Because like, yeah. I had to go back to high school yeah. and graduate from high school and eventually, you know, um, got a job in, in, in the software side. Yeah. I think the, when I look at my, my self-worth today, and I believe a, a lot of stuff around this one, we never get a penny more than we think we deserve. I so people that, that want more, yeah. the reason you don't have more is because you don't fight for more. You don't yeah. believe you deserve more. You believe yeah. that asking for more is selfish. You have a lot of beliefs, yeah. right? Yeah. So the way I overcome that is I, I use a few things. One, my intentions in my heart. I always have to be clear on my intentions when I'm doing this, when I want to support this, when I want to share this, when I want to create this, what are the intentions? And I know no matter what criticism comes at me, on my heart, I can stand there in, you know, with my faith and go yeah. like, my intentions are right. They're pure. They're aligned. Whether somebody understands yeah. that or not, that's their story, their narrative. Yeah. I don't buy into it. Yeah. Second thing is my confidence comes as a byproduct to keeping my commitments that I make in private. Okay. My confidence on a daily basis, people watch my content. They go, Oh, you speak with so much confidence. It's because every day I do yeah. my non-negotiables. I wake up, yeah. I work out, I eat healthy. I show yeah. up. I do the work I say I'm going to do the night before I plan my week on Sunday for the week. I never like today would be a great example. Every Tuesday I do this thing called the founder's hike where I invite anybody that wants to fly into a place. I live Kelowna, BC. Okay. Uh, we've had people fly in from across Europe to from Florida to here, which is a massive distance. 
And today I, I didn't see that my assistant put in the calendar, but there were two people that flew in for the hike and my son Noah got sick this morning. So I needed to watch him because our house manager didn't show up till eight and the hikes at six 30. And my wife wanted to go to CrossFit. So I was like, cool. I can do my hike later. No big deal. I totally forgot that these guys were there. When I noticed it, I felt so bad because I made a commitment to them that I had to find somebody on the hike to message them, to meet me at the coffee shop. When my <sighs> wife got back. I went and I had coffee with them Yeah. because of my integrity. So it's yeah. like anytime yeah. we make commitments to other people, we don't do things as we don't feel like it. My yeah. feelings don't dictate my actions, my decisions yeah. to do things. I like when things are hard because I know in doing that in face of yeah. it being hard, I'm building my character. I'm building my confidence. Yeah. And then I would say the third thing is my faith. Like the, yeah. as you mentioned, why do we not bring God into our business world? Why do we like, Oh, okay. On Sundays, I'm grateful. Yes. and appreciate it. You created me in your image. And then in the boardroom, we're like, no, yeah. that doesn't play a part. No, 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 no. Before this podcast, yeah. before I share anything, before I get on the stage, I always ask God yeah. to use me to create as much value as I can for other people, period, yeah. full stop. Like there's no yeah. if, ands or but. So because I know I'm consistent in my commitments, yeah. my intentions are good. And, and my, and I'm always, you know, asking for support from the man who told me I could, man, I've got unlimited yeah. confidence today, right? right. Like I, yeah. when I make a decision, I make it with certainty because yeah. why wouldn't I? Yeah. I love that. That, that wasn't the case. Yeah, that so was powerful. what I had to build. Yes. And yeah. it, it was and steps and steps and steps. I started at the bottom yeah. and just for 25 just, years, I've been working, working towards it. I love that. And I, I, I love how you said about keeping the commitments in private. I say all the time, you build confidence by keeping commitments that you make to yourself, right? And it's it's exactly what you're sharing there, Dan. It's like you you showed yourself that you could show up, that you could commit, that you could follow through. And when you commit and follow through, you get results and then you build and you just keep building. So right? good. Yes, yeah. you nailed it. This is this is like, I hope everybody's taking notes because this is mm -hmm. what it's about. The business tactical yeah. stuff we can get into. But For if sure. we can't get our beliefs, our mindset, our worldviews yeah. right, the doing of it yeah. becomes very hard. Yeah, I totally agree. Now I want to I want to move on to another belief that I think is absolutely huge. And and you know one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is like whether you're in a place mentally where you're consider considering selling your business or not, building something to sell, knowing that there's only three destinations for a business, you're gonna shut it down and get nothing for it. You're gonna pass it on to your family, which they don't want it, <laughs> or you're gonna exit it, right? And you're, and you're gonna create generational wealth with it. Now, this is something you've done over and over again. So kind of walk me through for you some of the biggest mindset shifts and, and kind of the preparation things that you think that a business owner doesn't matter whether they want to sell in five years, they want to sell in 15 years, or they're sitting here saying, I'm never going to sell my baby. And you're like, yes, you are some at some point. Otherwise, you shut it down and you don't get anything. So what, what do you want to share about that? Yeah, I think I mean, I can go super nerdy on the very tactical yeah. level, I can go belief side, yeah. I'll, I'll go middle, and then we can go yes. where you'd like. Perfect. So I believe that every business has value creation and value detractors. Okay. Mm -hmm. So value creators, mm -hmm. value detractors. So what that means is yeah. to an external party, to a buyer, certain decisions in your business will be more valuable than others. And certain decisions will actually be less valuable. So for example, in a business, if I have a core business and I add another business, that's not even aligned with the core business. And that's a value detractor. Yep. If I don't have employment agreements with my team members, that's a value detractor. If I have a bunch of yep. freelancers and no dedicated leadership, that's a value yep. detractor. If I have contracts that are long-term with, with subscription to customers, that is, you know, service yep. agreements. Those are value created. So I always tell people, step one is even if you don't want to sell, you should at least go approach somebody that would sell or somebody that has sold in your industry and yeah. ask them what they consider valuable. So you at least know, because you're going to wake up whether you want to or not and build the company 10 years. If you're yeah. still building the company, you're still there. It yeah. would be nice to know what things you could prioritize that still get you what you want yeah. to do in the short term or long term and also become valuable to a potential acquire because yeah. a business is an asset and the yeah. asset that we're trying to increase what we call enterprise value is the machine of producing some level of consistent yeah. cash flow. And, yeah. you know, it's just like my brother with his home building company for a while. He was like, you know, I'm going to build this up and sell it someday. I go to who? He's like to somebody. Who? Like, 
Okay. Oh, <laughs> like, tell me how many home builders do you know that have exited their company? Well, I've never thought of it that way. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably a fun little internet search. Exercise that you wanna, to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it turns out in Canada, there hadn't been one at the time, mm -hmm. but there was four in the US. So uh -huh. I was like, hey, KB Homes is one of them. Go. Yeah. Find a way to connect with people that were involved in that transaction so you mm -hmm. can understand what volume they were at, what elements yeah. they found valuable. Did they care about the raw land development? Did they care that they were putting their own, you know, road, sewage, all that stuff? Or did they care that they had a sales office where they could yeah. predictably acquire customers and yeah. turn them into home buyers? What kind of homes were about? Like, and all of a sudden, you know, took them maybe 16, 18 months to go on one of those, you know, benchmarking trips, yeah. I call them, and came back with a hit list of things yeah. that he eventually was going to do. He just changed the priority around them. Yes. And now he's built a machine that anybody would want to buy because it's incredibly productive. It doesn't require his time. He's got a great leadership team in place. Yeah. And I think that that's like the biggest mindset shift that a lot of operators need to switch to is yes. how do you become an owner, mm -hmm. not an operator? Yeah. Like shift your mind. Like I am an owner in all my companies. I buy a software company. I put a CEO in place. It's now part of the portfolio. I, I built a new company recently. First hire an mm -hmm. operator. I'm not going to yeah. operate the business. I don't yeah. want to operate the business. I know yeah. how to do it. I'm really good at it. No, I'm going to hire yeah. somebody else, run the business. I'm going to build top down. And I get to yeah. show up as the talent, as the advisor, as the board yeah. member. That is awesome. That's a fun role to play in where you can go to a meeting, add value, walk away with no work product and know that it's adding to your personal net worth and to your empire and to your wealth, game on all day long. For sure, for sure. And I love every single thing that you mentioned there, having great contracts in place, having full-time team members versus contractors, having long-term recurring revenue, having a great leadership team. Every single one of those things that you mentioned as it relates to selling, that's how you build a good company anyway, right? So it, this isn't, it isn't, these aren't two separate things. It's like build a great company build it the right way. <laughs> you may reverse the priorities a little bit, but but it's really about building a company that someone would want to acquire, but also that you would want to own long-term, right? That, because that is, you, to you your point. It. You nailed it, point. Kelly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, people always ask me, like my new media company, are you ever going to exit it? And my rule is always, I build a company that could get acquired because a company that could get acquired is a great company to run. I build yes. it to be sold because a company that could be sold is a great company to run. They're not yeah. separate. They're the same thing. And what yeah. you're trying to do is, you know, do your SWOT analysis every eight strength or yeah. year, SWOT weakness, threats, and opportunities, pay down some institutional debt, build your standard yeah. operating procedures, your, your operation manual and build out and develop your team and yeah. create a talent acquisition, talent development. Like I love the game of business. Yeah. And I just think that if people change the way they measure, see, most people measure their business success based on their cash flow or their top line revenue. Yeah. I would argue you should change it to enterprise value because your yeah. enterprise value, which is the equity value of the business that you own on your personal network sheet is different than your active income. And Very most people true. live for active income. I build companies yeah. for personal net worth. PNW on the equity side is how you actually create wealth. Yeah, no, it's so smart. I love it. And I mean, they always say, you know, first time founders, you build a company up around yourself and you kind of create a, a jail cell, right? Second time founder, you you hire a team and then you build, you know, underneath them, right? Up so that, that's what you're talking about there. Um, I, I love it. I, I think it's so crucial. And, you know, I think just hearing the conversation from someone who's done it over and over again uh, is so important, right? We've had the conversation on the show multiple times. And my whole thing is, is like, just build the company the right way and create something that you want to own learn term because I think that most of what people do in the entrepreneurship world specifically, it's not sustainable long-term. And it's not sustainable long-term because the role that they're playing is five different roles. They are the company, right? Instead of building a company. Um, so is there anything else you wanna to add to that just from the standpoint of like, mindset shifts business owners can can have in the in the here and now to kind of set themselves up to start going down that path yeah the, the mindset shift is that to believe that it's possible mm -hmm. i'll tell you the amount of mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that i coach i work with you know small business owners every day yeah. and they'll say well i can't this is this is my secret sauce nobody else can do yeah. it like me yeah um etc <laughs> and i always right. and it's very simple belief to bust, right? I say, yeah. is there any company bigger than you in your industry 
that exists. And they go, well, yeah, mm -hmm. this company, perfect. That company built the system to deliver value. Yes. They promised the something to the customer and the person who runs it is not involved in the delivery. Now you may not think they're as good as you, that's fine. I will tell you they're better than you because they've built something Eight. bigger than you that's repeatable, scalable, that doesn't require that's the it. person around the company to be in it. Whether you judge that as an artist or not, because most of them are, they're like little creator artists. Yes, yes. You will always stay small. Like your I beliefs shape your view. And if you don't believe that somebody else could do it, it's like if I bought a restaurant today, you know, like most people in their business, they're running the business, somebody quits and then they go run that department. Yeah. If I owned a restaurant and the chef quits, I ain't running in the kitchen. I'm going right. to run really quick to exactly. find a recruiter to find me a chef and I'm going to replace yes. that role. That's what an yeah. owner does. Yeah. So I think that shift of A, believing it's possible, B, understanding the skill set required. So most people just don't know how to do that. They don't know how to take a value stream, a process, yeah. break it down into different stages and then try to yeah. backfill or what I say, buy back your time so yeah. that you have somebody else that you're still involved in assembling the whole thing, yes. but other people can help you get bandwidth and throughput and over time those five different people involved in that process where you were one person in the past now is the thing that you do that other people value and you can scale it up. You can go horizontal, you can create pod structures. And I think that's the game. That is actually yeah. what the entrepreneur should be doing is trying to unlock the, the constraints, right? Yeah, Not a thousand percent. just jumping yeah. in the business because there's a problem. I, I think most entrepreneurs are the chaos and they create the chaos and they think their team is underperforming. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The team rises to the level of the performance of the leader, right? And it's usually the CEO creating a bottleneck and all this chaos because everything's funneling through them. So, which is a question I actually have for you. I wanna ask you about that, Dan. So with the companies that you've exited, at the point that you exited them, were you already completely removed from all aspects of the business or were you still involved in some capacity where you were playing the role of, for example, like CEO, like what was your role in those organizations at the time of exit? I know some people like will say they're all, in yeah. some capacity, like talk to me about that. They're, they're all different. Okay. Cause, and I will tell okay. you, you know, Kelly, from the beginning of like my 17 year old all the way to, to, to now I'm 43, mm -hmm. I have evolved over the years. And honestly, because I spent so much time on personal development, personal growth and whatnot, like yeah. even the Dan of 12 months ago, there's differences, yeah. there's differences. Yeah. And the way I tell people, it's not like you're gonna be like, oh my God, Dan, you're so different. No, no, no. It's the yeah. best parts get amplified. The bad parts get diminished, right? Yes. And yes. so when I look at when I exited my company, Spheric uh, at 28, I ran the whole thing. I had, mm -hmm. you know, a team of almost 30 some people, but 12 of them reported to me. It wasn't sustainable. Okay. It was yeah. dumb. I sure. would never build a company that way. It cost me my, my engagement at the time. I was engaged to a different mm -hmm. woman that I'm married to now. She didn't put up with it. I was a horrible friend. I wasn't a good brother, a son. So that, that really caused me to go through that, the journey of trying yeah. to find a completely different way to build it. And that's yeah. why I wrote buy back your time. Then in my next company, I, I kind of overcorrected. Okay. I started okay. angel investing and then creating a lot of wealth through equity ownership okay. and having other people, obviously CEO of the company. And then when I started my next company, Flowtown, Ethan, I appointed him as CEO for a long time. My role on paper on LinkedIn was not employee co-founder, which is a dumb thing. Ethan told me he wanted me to, cause we were raising capital and like, he just, okay. he needed me involved in the business, but he ran the company. Okay. And over okay. time, I eventually took over kind of the the distribution side of the business. So a little okay. bit of product, a little bit of marketing, but we had leaders in place. And when we exited, it was run by Ethan. I, him and I were co-founders. We, we each own half the company. And, um, it was fun. Cause that was actually when I, he was, he was like nine years younger than me. So, so it was like the first time that I got to actively mentor a younger entrepreneur that I worked with day to day that then yeah. we created this massive company that had a, a great financial outcome for investors and, and for him. And then I did clarity. And then when I built that one, I was just so passionate about the idea that I wanted to be the CEO, right? I was, a, mm -hmm. I'm a product person. I'm a software guy. I'm a, I, I like product, but immediately hired an executive assistant, hired operations people. So mm -hmm. my day to day looked very much, you know, people, vision, product, money, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I exited that company, zero day earnout. So exited the company the next day, 
Dan was good, which is a okay. beautiful place to get. Why? Because I built the business so that it could run and grow yeah. without me. Okay? It continues yeah. to grow today. Clarity.fm. Uh, the owner still says the numbers keep growing. We built an incredible business. Okay. And then all my companies since then, I always start with the leadership at the top. Because again, when you have no money, this is why first time entrepreneurs, I love the way you visualize it. They create a business around them. It's almost like mm -hmm. a tornado around them yes. and the chaos is inside. Yeah. It's because yeah. you're building from the bottom up. Yeah. I mean, you don't have Absolutely. anything. You have zero yeah. resources. So it's like yep. today it's me. I wear 17 hats. Exactly. I have a customer. I deliver. Yeah. I do the invoicing. I make sure the people, every, the vendors yeah. get purchases, all that stuff, work in, work in progress, all that. And then and then eventually you unlock resources, AKA capital, right? And to me, revenue is resources. Time is a resource, yeah. labor is a resource, all these things. But essentially as you're growing, you're building capacity and you're unlocking yeah. resources. When you have an exit, you know, a lot of people that have wealth, right? Some people might be sitting on two or three, four or 5 million, and then they want to do another business, but they make the mistake of building it the same way from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I hire from the top and let the top build down. So all yeah. the companies I've started over the last yeah. eight years, I always yeah. start with the jockey. I always start with the person. It's a who, not mm -hmm. how I don't, I don't doubt we'll figure out the solution because I've, I've just been very good at learning and executing yeah. and growing. Yeah. But what I need is somebody to run the day to day because yeah. that creates bandwidth and that creates leverage and that creates opportunity for me to express my zone of genius even though I'm very competent, I can CEO companies. Yeah. I think that is what a lot of people that have had success, that have revenue, that have cash in the bank, they keep building bottom up and they got to start building top down. I, I could not agree more. And it, it's been my exact experience. And, I, you know, like I, I built the coaching and consulting company. It's in year 11 now. And we have a great team. We have a great executive leadership team. But I am still slowly working to get all the way out of the day to day, right? Whereas my other newer businesses, I did exactly what you just said. I hired and I have leaders and I never was in the day to day, right? So it's just a completely different experience end to end. But I just, you breaking that down like that is so powerful, Dan, because a lot of business owners don't, it's, it's going back to belief. They don't even know that that alternative path that you just described is possible, right? Because their only experience and their only vision is into what what they've done and where they are today, right? Yeah, and I mean, people really people kind of history repeats itself. If they've never been taught a different way of doing it, then that's the it's, way. Just, it's the the tool they yeah. always know, and that's why even 100%. like my whole mission right now is to teach entrepreneurs how to build businesses they don't grow to hate because yes. most of them have just never seen a different yes. way to do it. But if you, yes. that's why I put all my stuff online. I have like yeah. all my content, all my YouTube. It's all like, yeah. I'm going to show just a completely different mental yeah. model for how to build companies that don't yeah. kill you over time. Cause that's yeah. unfortunate. Like you said, most businesses actually don't fail because the market's not there. They fail because the entrepreneur decides to shut it down to do something else. Cause it gets I hard. Say, I literally, I say that all the time. They gave up hope because they're burnt out. They're just tired. Right. Yep. Because you can always figure out how to find money. You can, you can, you made a sale once you can make another sale, but if you don't have the will to keep going because you're so burnt out or you're so exhausted, or you just don't like what you've built, that's when you go out of business. Right. So I, that is such a powerful model. And, you know, like, obviously you have your portfolio of companies, you've, you've done these exits, you are an angel investor, you have these other things going on, but you are also very, very focused on being like super present, super consistent every single day, building brand on social media. So talk to me a little bit about for you, what your vision is for the role that like, your online brand plays and what you're building from like a content and social media perspective versus you know what you're doing with the the companies in your portfolio how are they connected mm. are you using your brand to drive those companies are you building something separate like talk to me about the interconnectivity of that piece for it's you one of my favorite conversations so thank you thank you kelly yes. this is going to be fun so here, it took me a while to get to this place. And I'll yeah. tell you, there's been different people over the years that have, that have spoken to me and I kind of ignored them and I kept building and I'm like, Hey, I'm a software guy like Gary V back yeah. in the day. I've known Gary since 2005, like wine yeah. library days. Yeah. So watching, you know, Gary talk about his stuff, I would say, um, more recently, uh, Patrick bed, David's another one, you know, with Valley Tainment. more recently, the Hermoses, Alex and Layla are dear friends. Yeah. Um, 
and, and just have a lot of friends that do, you know, online social media stuff. Mm-hmm. What changed for me is when my book came out. So January seventeenth, mm-hmm. buy back your time comes out. It becomes a Wall Street Journal bestseller and continues mm-hmm. to sell more copy week over week in the previous week. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind. The part mm-hmm. that blew my mind was the impact. Yeah. I I helped people get wealthy. Like I mean, yeah. I'm a software guy. So yeah. so and and most people don't know this. SaaS Academy is the largest coaching organization in the world. Not software CEOs yeah. in the world. We have a thousand active clients. These are these are this is not low ticket stuff. Yeah. We have we have very robust programming. And yeah. even that company over the last six years that I've built it, and that's where a lot of my initial social media, YouTube content was focused. Um, I did enough to do content marketing, but I didn't yeah. prioritize it. Like I wasn't like right, looking right. at growth. Literally, like you it's were like, doing we post it. Monday. Yeah, Monday, yeah, 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 yeah. publish I, a YouTube video. Right, that's it. right, yeah. And the book shifted everything for me and it just had an impact in SaaS Academy, in my acquisition company, Big Band Software, in in my angel investments, access to deals. I mean, I just got off stage speaking at the YPO uh, major event in, in during F1 in Vegas because of the book. And I was just like, I would have paid to be in the room to yeah. listen. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I got to interview no, Dana so White from the UFC. It just, like, how is this that. stuff happening? All that came yeah. from the book. And about six months ago, five months ago, I called my, my creative director, my head of media on the SAS Academy side. And I said, I've got a vision. And it might sound silly. I'm a 43 year old man, but I'm going, I'm, I want to go all in enough's enough. I, I, I want to now make this the primary thing. So this yeah. is whatever you want to call it. I mean, the corporate name is Martel growth solution, but it's like the Dan Martel brand yeah. Yeah. and every other entity from my angel investments to my, my acquisition, my hold code yeah. to all of it is supported. So the way I think about it, Kelly is very simple. Yeah. Reach and reputation unlocks everything to the degree that I have reach and a positive reputation, every possible project from nonprofit to giving yeah. back to at-risk youth, to buying software companies, to writing my next book, to supporting my wife's business, to supporting my yeah. friends' businesses, to supporting all that yeah. gets unlocked. Okay. Attention yeah. is the new oil. Gary Vee has yeah. been talking about it for years. Yeah. I finally get it. When I look <laughs> at the time investment now, let me tell you what I've done though. Okay. So that was the realization in five months ago. Since then, September 1st, we, we signed a lease in the number one building in our city downtown. We have a studio we built out 4,000 square feet. People are like, why do you need so much square footage? Because I've decided to literally document everything. So I've we been have, watching. I've been watching. Yes, it's perfect. awesome. So all I've of that is a byproduct of this. Yes, yeah, we've been it's teaching amazing. it and we've been, yeah. we, we are backed up probably seven weeks of content. We're going to start coming out with a weekly vlog. Just yeah. honestly, technically on YouTube, we had to figure out like, how do we do it? Where does it get published? It can't go on our core channel because then it messes up the algorithm. Yeah. So we're doing, we're doing very high end entrepreneurial content, entertainment content on the main Dan Martell channel. We've got our short stuff, which is across all channels. We're ramping yeah. that up. We're getting 6 million impressions a month. It's crazy. Wow. And, the, and, and again, the media stuff we're doing. So we've gone on podcast tours where I've done 13 podcasts in two days. Yeah. So I'll fly into like Scottsdale, Vegas, San yeah. Diego last week, you know, right now, tomorrow I'm landing in Omaha, doing a podcast, going to Charleston, doing podcasts, going to Dallas speaking, then back in Denver. Wow. I mean, we're, I'm taking the level of intensity I've applied to like building software companies to building a media company. Cause I believe that for the rest of my life, A, I want to do this. Like Kelly, I love teaching. I love helping. I love sharing. I love reading to know that I'll like whatever I'm reading, I'm going to share with other people. My, my whole career has been around software, but my real passion is entrepreneurship. And my real, real passion is mindset and beliefs. Yeah. And we're going to build one of the largest um, and most potent media companies Mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs. And we're going to build a bunch of stuff around mindset and we're going to learn and iterate and tweak. And I'm, I'm dedicating my life to it. Yeah. It makes so much sense. It it makes so much sense. It's, it's perfect. And I'm so glad I asked the question. How did I, (laughs) nobody's ever asked me, you got an exclusive. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so key for people to hear. I wanted them to hear your mindset. Um, I'm not surprised by anything that you just answered, but I wanted the people listening to hear that thought process for you because it's very interesting to me that I think that most entrepreneurs that are utilizing social media to build their businesses are still operating down on the level of sales transaction. 
not on the level of brand. They're not building right? brand. You They're not it. building brand. And you know, when you hopped on, you're like, oh, you're almost at episode a thousand. I'm like, yeah, this is this is long game for me. Like, I'm gonna do this till I'm 80. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is it's brand. So I'm so I love what you shared about that. And I think the thing that is most important about what you said is, you know, whether it's driving your nonprofit the companies that you're investing in, getting on the right stages, the media that you want, investing. It's it's all there. And, you know, but but let me just ask you one more question on that, Dan. For for the individuals that are listening to the show today that are like so inspired by you right now and they're so excited and they realize like, wow, like I have not been leveraging social media in the way that I could be like, you can't do everything all at once what would be some of the things that you would say to someone that like, listen, the people that listen to this show, they're posting on social media every day, they're doing stories, they're showing up. It's not, we're not talking to people that aren't already using social media, but we're talking about a completely different mindset and different approach when you're describing what you just shared from a brand perspective. Awesome. I've got some very tactical stuff. Now we'll go to, we did mindset. Okay. I think people want okay. some tactical. Yeah. yeah. One, um, don't post the mechanics of what you do, post the mindset behind the mechanics mm -hmm. of what you do. So for example, most people in fitness coaching, they yeah. talk about the curls and the squats yeah. and all that stuff and the meal prep, meh, not very interesting. Yeah. What you want to post is the beliefs the mindset, the challenges, okay. the frictions, the frustrations, like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the setbacks, like that's what humanizes you. And what I've learned mm -hmm. is over time is when you create trust with your audience, you create a transaction. Mm -hmm. Information is not interesting. Trust mm -hmm. and belief in what you do will create a transaction. People will consume great. a ton of how to stuff, which is great. But when you can show the emotions, the beliefs, yeah. the mindset behind it, that's where you create a deepened, that's where you even create opportunity for viral content. Like nothing goes viral because like, oh, here's, here's yeah. the financial document of a transaction. It's like, no, yes. let me tell you what I was thinking in yes. that moment when I was scared yes. to give up my baby. Uh -huh. That That's what people want to consume. Then I would say, um, you know, just find a rhythm that works, that grows your account. So what I've learned is what you focus on expands. Most people don't focus on their followers. They don't look at the engagement. They don't, mm -hmm. they can, I had a client like, oh, it's not, I'm not getting more followers. How many followers you had in the last week? I don't know. Well, that's, I know you don't know because you're not looking at it. And if people don't focus on the things they want to expand, it will not yes. grow. So, so create better content. Look at the numbers. I learned a yes. long time ago. It came from the book, Effective Executive. If you just measure something, it will yeah. get better by 20% just yeah. by measuring it. Yeah. Just going to measure. Yeah. So let's, let's yes. start by measuring. And then I would say the third thing is, and this is a big one that fascinates me, have conversations with your followers. There's people yeah. that follow you yeah. every day. Okay. Yeah. We had thousands. I think we added like 15,000 followers on Instagram last in last 27 days or something like that. Okay. To the degree that I can, we're messaging every follower. We're saying, hello, thanks for the follow. Are you here for this or that? And yeah. we try to find opportunities to help them. I call that yeah. creating your personal economy. It doesn't matter if you only get 25 new followers yeah. a week. Think about that, 25 new people, 52 weeks in a row, and you're having yeah. chats with them. Most people build these audiences and never talk to them. They wait until yeah. they leave a public comment. Do you know yeah. how small, the amount of people they're going to leave a public yes. comment on your content is 5%. Out of a hundred percent. Whereas if you message true. every new follower, a hundred percent of people at least receive your message. And then I would say 70% reply. Yeah. And you could figure out if what you've got is helpful to them. If not, you can refer them to somebody else. So if you create content that is more emotional, belief, mindset, worldviews, controversial yeah. topics around your industry that you think is helpful, and then yeah. you actually measure a metric like followers or engagements or whatever, and you focus on that every week. And then you also message the people on a daily basis that follow yeah. you, you will transform your relationship with social media because the yeah. day that your social media turns into a primary revenue generator, then you'll do what everybody then does is you'll invest in it. Yeah. Like in a massive way, you'll literally redeploy Facebook ads, redeploy outbound marketing, redeploy, going to events. And you're gonna say, you know what? Like, this is what's funny. I have a, I have a publisher or a PR person that, that from my book. Okay. So I wrote a book and they have a PR team and they're like, Dan, we can get you on TV. We can do it. I go, you gotta understand for me to get on a plane and go to New York. The ROI is not there. And she's like, how do you yeah. figure? I go, my, I would rather take that time, produce content, put it out to the world. My 
impressions. Yeah. My reach is bigger than that TV show. Yeah. Kelly, yeah. this podcast, you know, this, yeah. this podcast has more reach than most online or TV yes. shows. Okay. Yes. So I would rather invest in this. I would rather yeah. invest in my own content and build my brand. And when, you, because you, you can correlate that. So once I, once I literally started tracking that and growing it and then seeing SAS Academy grew 30%, no net new dollar spent, just yeah. reputation and reach deal flow up 50% reputation and reach access to opportunities, inbound deals, investments up yeah. 50% reputation and reach the ROI of what I invested in a studio and, and my time. I can't think yeah. of a better place to invest it. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And to your point about the conversation, so many people, they don't talk to their audience at all. And then they say, I don't understand how to connect. I don't know what they want. I don't know. it. I'm like, if you're having any level of interaction with the people coming to your own account, you know exactly what they want. You know exactly what they need. Talk you ask them. them one question and they'll send you back a paragraph this long, right? And tell you everything. So this is like, this is gold. It's it's so powerful what you're sharing. And like, I thank you for just like peeling it back in such a meaningful, okay, last question. And then I want you to tell everybody about all your stuff and where to go and what to do all of that. Um, I have no idea. Have you been studying what is happening with X? And are you planning to do any marketing on that channel? Do you already do marketing on that channel? Are you planning on doing marketing on that channel? I feel like there's going to be a big shift there. And we've saw this already, right? With mainstream media and, and some competition that's happening there. What is your perspective on that? I'm, I'm just interested to know. Yeah. I mean, I've been on X Twitter since 2000. I mean, literally, if you look at like, mm -hmm. I, like I might've been account number 4,000. Like I was on <laughs> super early because, right. you know, most people forget, but like Jack Dorsey and those guys were building a podcast platform. Twitter mm -hmm. came as a byproduct of building that. And I was in the Valley. So, you know, okay. we were, we were sharing our meals and where we were at in real time. Mm -hmm. It was a weird thing, but it was fun. It was like a fun little tool that we all use. Um, obviously post Elon's acquisition, um, so here's what I say on my personal brand, I use X and we publish it every day and we have a yeah. strategy to grow that audience. We don't yeah. run paid acquisition. My personal brand, I don't yeah. do paid acquisition. Yeah. I am an organic person. I like yeah. the challenge of it. I love trying to figure out how to get, you know, what yeah. kind of topics go viral, double down yeah. on that, go to the studio, you know, like we're, we're, yeah. we're in this very creative mode. So we don't do that yeah. there. On my other companies, our directors of marketing and our and our essentially our media buyers, they decide. Mm -hmm. So to mm -hmm. the degree that a channel is efficient, they're yeah. gonna like they're not opposed yeah. to using Snapchat, X, TikTok. Yeah. We we experiment on all of them. Yeah. I have not seen X produce low cost lead generation for my B2B companies yeah. yet. Mm -hmm. Yet. Um, yeah. but you can see a trend line. So as yeah. long as that trend line keeps yeah. going, I think there's a potential there. And, um, and the truth is, is they've got smart people on the team that are going to figure it yeah. out. And if it works, it's going to work. And if it doesn't, yeah. it's, it's not something I'm actively looking at week over week. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like they have smart people on the job. I think there's going to be some things happening there. So I'm always interested in people. They're, they're, like I mean, Elon is just smart about what is the product and how do we create value? Yeah. I mean, even TikTok was like, Hey, our, yeah. our values creators, you know, yeah. I think YouTube as a monopoly has been, they, they've kind of acted a little less friendly with creators. Whereas, you know, now that we've got X and they're, they're showing you how to monetize your, your audience and they're creating products for yeah. that, they're going to pull back market share yeah. from the Patreons and other platforms. Yeah. And I mean, even with clarity, so clarity is a marketplace for entrepreneurs to get advice over the phone. Yeah. It was essentially if LinkedIn had a call button, like my big bet with that company was that as social media continues to create micro celebrity, micro celebrities or influencers yeah. that those influencers would have audience that would want to pay for their time, their advice. Yeah. Unfortunately, what happened was, is the payment structure that I thought that would be the winner never materialized. Meaning that we think a lot of people pay for advice, but it's actually a very small percentage of the population. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Cause like when you think because of like, in our world, you feel like everyone, oh, we does, think everybody, right? does. In, in our everybody's world, in a mastermind, like, everybody's yeah. a coach, everybody <laughs> buys books. But that we forget is, that we're like, no, yeah. you know, Juanita, the cleaning lady probably hasn't read a business book ever. And that's right. more, that's actually the norm out of a hundred yes. entrepreneurs, business owners that own a corporation. It's yeah. like 10 to 15% that are actually like growth minded. And yeah. of those 10 to 15%, what percent actually pay 
anything meaningful. Let's just say yeah. go to an event a year yeah. for their business. That's a rare thing, right? They might go to a trade show for their yeah. industry, but for them to go to a personal yeah. development event, very rare. So unfortunately yeah. that market didn't materialize the way I thought, but the Patreon subscription access to premium content, that definitely, you know, we're seeing that with uh, subversion and or, or a media, like the, the paid content route is uh, producing people yeah. that have financial income from creating premium content. And yeah. I think Twitter's building the tool set to unlock that. And with the ad network they're, they're creating, the people they want to get more distribution and reach can pay for it. And they have a way to monetize, yeah. which creates the engine. And it's as long as they yeah. set up the incentives and the rewards properly, it'll be awesome. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So going into 2024, what's your final kind of parting words of advice for all of our entrepreneurs listening into the show today? And then obviously we want to invite everyone to get their copy. Oh, I love that you have a copy. Time which you all um, must, must, must read. Um, but before we talk about that, final parting words of yeah. advice, 2024. I, this is very simple. I, I discovered a long time ago that there's two things every person is on earth to do. Okay. It doesn't matter where you live or your faith or anything. One is to wake up every day and become your 10.0 version of yourself. Call it your greatest self. Call it the person that God created you in his image. Another way to like, I like to think about it is become the person you needed most in your darkest days. Mm. Okay. So if we wake up every day with the intention, people go, Dan, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Because I know my intention is that I'm going to wake up to yeah. be better so I can be of service to people and honor yeah. my creator. So that's one. Yeah. While we're doing that, step two is to share that person with the world. That world could be your kids. That world could be your church. It could be your CrossFit gym. It yeah. could be your team. It could be your city. It yeah. could be the internet with social media. I just yeah. think that if every person in 2024 decides to make a conscious effort to be the best version of themselves and share that process and success path with other yeah. people, that they will live a more fulfilled life. And that is probably the most important message that I think I have. I love that so much. Thank you. Uh, for everybody listening, obviously, if you haven't done this, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people already went on their phones as they were listening and followed you on Instagram. Um, what's your handle? I don't have it off the yeah, top Yeah, Dan of Martell, 2 Martell so, on Instagram. And Dan Martell on all platforms. And then buybackyourtime.com for my book. It's, a, as I mentioned, best-selling book. It'll absolutely transform your entrepreneurial life. And um, if it supports you in any way, just message me on Instagram and let me know how it helped. I'd love to hear yeah. from you. I mean, this was a masterclass and I really appreciate you taking the time to do it, Dan, and just unbelievable value in so many different areas that are so relevant and meaningful for, for this audience. So thank you. Thanks for being here. It's an honor. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the show and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week.